kind of a bumpy day to start off today. It's a lot more bumpy than usual. Anyway, I, I actually asked the, a few kids we have to stay in here because it's going to be issues that I think pertains to them as well. We were on the subject of healing, and I gave you a little bit of the protocol for healing and some of the process that we do for uh, bringing about healing but and, and some of the theology behind it. But now I'm going to actually talk a little bit about what goes on in the process of healing, what I've learned over periods of time praying for people. I tell you, I've said to you before, with excessive 10,000 people, uh, I mean, I've laid hands on a lot of people. I've practiced this a lot. I've seen God move in some fantastic ways. I've seen about every miracle you can see, and I've seen people not get healed. And so uh, there's different things that I've learned over a period of time that I kind of want to bring the process to you. I'm going to probably focus mostly on emotional-type healings right now and spiritual healings right now, but we're going to continue on with physical. The reason I'm doing it that way is because a lot of the physical is, is tied together with emotional hurts and pains and, and uh, things of forgiveness and unforgiveness issues as well. And so when I, we pray for people, there's, there's two different things that we do. Well, first of all, there's the short-time prayers like that you have. You just meet somebody and you get five or ten minutes to get in. It's a lot harder uh, to really get to some of the points I'm talking about in that period of time. And there's times that you really do an on, long, you know, ongoing praying for people, uh, somebody you know, or uh, soaking prayers is often called, where you're able to get into a lot of more of the issues. But to understand the issues that come about is an important, uh, important fact for bringing healing, even in the short period of time. So I want to, I want you to first of all think about, and the reason I ask the kids stand because that's where a lot of our hurts happen is with our parents or at school. And uh, so I'm, since I'm talking about emotional hurts and emotional healings, first off, what happens to you when somebody hurts you, says something to you, reacts to you, does something to you that, uh, that brings you emotional pain? What, what really happens? By the way, this is a two-way conversation with you guys. So you can, what happens? What happens if I, if I say somebody, I don't even want to look at somebody and say it, but I, you know, I really hate you, or I really don't like you, or you're ugly, or you're fat, or you're fill in the blank. There's a lot of different blanks to fill in. What's the first thing that happens with you? Do you ever think about it? I, I do. But what happens? You just blow it off? The first times, no. After a while, you learn to. But what really happens? What's the first thing that happens when that happens? Huh? You get hurt. Yeah, what do you usually do about it? You get angry. Okay, you get angry. Or you, feel, or you feel rejected. Feel rejected. Okay. Yeah, when, when you ask why, and I think when the words actually that are being said to you, for what you even realize what they mean, mm-hmm. and then you, it, it all of a sudden can take an effect on its own to where your whole body just kind of goes through this whole like, physical thing. Yeah, there is something that happens just other than the words. They're implanted in your mind, all right? And it's kind of in a way like we talked about here, like a pearl. Uh, if you ever seen a pearl or know how a pearl's made, there's natural times it happens, and there's things they do it synthetically. And what they do is they drop a little speck of uh, irritant in there, and the and the clam basically coats it and coats it and coats it and covers it and covers it and covers it and, covers it and kind of isolates it. And that's kind of first thing where I would say about with, with when someone gets hurt is they begin to isolate the particular thing that was said. And there's a process, and I, I'm just thinking about that. And uh, let's go to the second slide that I have there. 
And this process is a well-known process here. This is the grief cycle, second one. And the, the grief cycle is, is quite a bit of the same type of thing. The first thing that happens is the shock, the hurt, the major thing that comes on. Then the denial. We just kind of deny it. We push it out. Then we get angry. And then we begin bargaining, try to work a way to kind of get along with them or that emotion in ourselves. Then we get depressed. Then we kind of test things. And then sooner or later, we go accept it if we're healthy. Very often this process, we get caught somewhere along the way, somewhere usually in the anger stage. And when, they, when this thing happens, what happens is things begin to fester inside. Have you ever had a, a, a cut on your arm and didn't take care of it, cleaned it out properly? Well, it gets infected, doesn't it? There you go in there, huh? It gets infected. And as, as painful as it may seem, you have to rip off the, what it started to heal and clean, clean it out so it can heal properly. And we know what happens if, it, if we don't. It gets further infected. You can get uh, uh, some type of uh, blood poison or lots of different things can happen. But it has to be cleaned out. This is the first process we have when we're dealing with healing with people. They are going to have hurts, and there are so many hurts in people's lives. There's nobody that walks through life without a bunch of them. You know, when they get hurt in their life, they isolate part of their life off. And that hurt, as much as they don't want to deal with it, they sooner or later have to deal with it, or it festers and gets worse. You know, I mentioned to you before that I had a splinter in my foot, on the bottom of my foot, and I didn't take care of that one. And it got where it was a hole about this big of kind of rotten flesh, and I had to have that cut out. Very painful. But I had blood poison strikes all the way in my leg, and I almost lost my leg because of that. That would have killed me if, I, if, they wouldn't, if that kept on going. And that's what basically happens when you have a hurt or something that you don't deal with. And people are walking around because 99.9% of people don't deal with them. You know, uh, a person that has been abused, there's people who have been ritually abused, what they do is they... Isolate. They cut off slices of their life so they don't have to deal with that. That's a denial thing. I've dealt with them, trained a little bit with dealing with the, uh, the, those who were ritually abused. And what they do is they isolate parts of their lives and split off parts of their lives and have, have what, uh, what they call split or multiple personalities. And it's not only that. Children, when their parents go through divorce, very often have the same thing where they'll, just, they'll, they'll, they'll shatter and they'll break off parts of their life because they don't want to deal with it. They can't handle the pain. They don't go through the process. They haven't learned how to go through the process, and they don't. Well, a lot of those, those things are stuck in people's lives and causes them great, great stress through their lives. They're emotionally, if, it's, if it isn't taken care of completely, then very often spiritual things can happen to them, and very often physical things can happen to them. A couple of the ones that are associated most, most with that are like arthritis and cancer. You can figure whether you, that's accurate or not on your own over a period of time. But there are things that are happens with our physical body as a result of hurt and stress. Children, you know, high school, junior high school, grammar school are horrendous times for all of us. All of us went through them. We get lots of different hurts during those periods of time. You know, and those things don't get dealt with. And when those things don't get dealt with, they get worse. And then when that happens, what happens is we begin to, after we have a multiple amount of these hurts in our life, we begin to isolate ourselves off, don't we? We begin to shut off things in our life that we don't have to feel, where people can't get to us anymore and hurt us anymore. It's a self-protection thing. 
If I slap you enough times, pretty soon you're going to put up your hands and stop it. So I don't. It's just a natural thing to do. But those are things that are, I would call walls that, that are put up around people to protect them. But just the same thing with the wall that's protect them that keeps them from getting hurt more, it also keeps them from getting healed as well. So this is the last slide there. We've seen this before, those of you who uh, have been here for a long time. This, this was, remember the saying, this is talking about the different gates to our life, you know, that we have uh, to get to the, the body of the carnal man. There are certain gates. There's eyes, nose, ears, and all that. I don't want to go through all that. I just really want to concentrate on the center. This is spirit man inside. And in the spirit man inside, there's a love gate. What the enemy wants to do to you is cause you to close off that love gate. That's the wall I'm talking about. The cause is to close off so we don't get hurt from other people again and nobody can get in and nobody can get out. The trouble is when you close off that love gate, you close off to God as well. So when you're looking at somebody that's come up to you because they may be depressed or emotionally hurt or something else like that, what you have to do is begin to open up some things in their life so they can get healing. God is the one that does the healing. You do the praying. Don't get confused. You're not the healer. God is the healer. You're the conduit that God moves through. And what we have to learn to do is hear God to find out where these different hurts are in their lives. Because some of these hurts are so damaging in people's lives, they don't even remember them. They're closed off. They can't hear them. They can't see them. They don't know they exist. You know, and so you have to, we have to learn over a period of time how to minister those hurts without... Uh, uh, with them, with their permission, because walls can only be taken down by the person receiving the prayer. You can't take them down. They're they're a wall that they've erected to keep themselves uh, self safe. And when as long as that wall's up there, you won't be able to do anything. And you'll feel it as we learn to pray for people. You'll feel you'll pray and you'll pray and go and hit something, and they'll shut down. When that happens, what you have hit is a wall in their life. And that wall in their life is impenetrable. You, you can't break through it. Christ is a gentleman, so are we. We don't try to press through it. We have to get them to take down the wall. So I'm going to talk to you about a few of these things here to help you do that. Now, first of all, I want to talk about what some of these things are. We have, as I mentioned <laughs> for years, is we have an enemy that wants to destroy us. It's his purpose. Now, that enemy authority has really been taken away from him. So he has to steal your authority. He can't, he doesn't have his own type of thing. So he has to take your authority. So his key is to use Christians or people against one another. So the demonic realm, go to the second, first slide. I think that's the first slide. Why don't you read this? Finally, build up your strength in union with the Lord and by means of his mighty power, Put on all the armor that God gives you so that you'll be able to stand against the devil's evil tricks. For we are not fighting against human beings, but against the wicked spiritual forces in the heavenly world, the rulers, authorities, and cosmic powers of this dark age. So put on God's armor now. Then when the evil day comes, you will be able to resist the enemy's attacks, and after fighting to the end, you'll still hold your ground. Okay, hang on for a second before you read the second part there. Okay, the reason I highlighted this and it's very, very important for you to understand if you're going to convey something to somebody. We do not fight against people. This is not against that person that said that nasty thing to you. It's not against that, uh, that pastor that said the wrong thing to you as well. 
or that husband or that wife or, or parent or whatever the case may be. It's not them. It's we're dealing with the spiritual authorities of others. Now, this is actually the interlinear translation. For not wrestle we against blood and flesh, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness, of, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, there's a lot of people take a couple different sides on this. We all know that it's a spiritual realm that's it's above us. You know, One side uh, in the Christian realm will go out there and they'll say horrible things. You know, They'll say, Satan, I... And they usually go off, and I got my foot on your throat, and I used to have to put the accent in it, it's usually there. Uh, all this stuff, you know, and they'll, they'll malign celestial beings. The enemy is the enemy, all right. But God is, remember the one that gives gifts and doesn't take them back? That God? Anyway, he made him an angel. He didn't take it back. And that's a spiritual authority. We have to be careful how we address those. We don't run around slandering celestial, celestial beings. Uh, the angel Michael said the Lord rebuke you. He didn't do it himself. So we don't run around and do that. But on the other hand, we have a responsibility to fight. This reason I put, put this translation in here is because it is principalities and high powers that we fight against. And that's the reason God gave us the armor of God, including a sword, to do work against that. I don't go looking for the enemy in a fight with the enemy. But when God brings me to a place to do battle, I'm not afraid to do battle with them. I said to you for a long time now that fear is something we can't have any room in our heart for. Because when we have fear in our heart, we're, we're being used by the enemy's kingdom. See, whatever kingdom you're operating in is the rules you go by and the power and authority you minister in. If you're in fear, which is the currency of the kingdom of darkness, then you're ruling from his authority, and you're stuck in it. If you move in faith, you're moving from another. So why I'm talking about this is because it's absolutely essential. You know when you're talking to somebody, it's not that mean parent that did this wrong thing. And some of the stuff you're going to hear from God about what's gone on in people's lives are horrendous, beyond human belief. But it wasn't that, per- I mean, the person's responsible, doesn't take responsibility for what they do away. But the battle's not against them. It's against what's above them. It's against the powers what's above them. And now how does the person stay in that place and stuck? It's because the enemy uses people, they don't forgive the people. And when they don't forgive the people, guess what happens? They are locked with that person that sinned against them. If I could say it a different way, they are operating in the rule and reign of the dominion of Satan. That's what they're doing. They're operating in that dominion. It's that power they're operating on. And guess what? When you play by the rules of the enemy, you get the it's all the way around. Uh, there's another scripture. Go two down, not the next one, one after it. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold 
to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay everything back. The servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Therefore, the the kingdom of heaven is like kingdom of heaven, kingdom of darkness. If you operate in the kingdom of darkness, you will get the kingdom of darkness's benefits. If I play basketball, I have to play by basketball rules all the way through. I can't carry the ball like I can in football because it will call a foul. In football, I can't bounce it on the ground because it's going to be out. There are different rules for different games. If you participate in the kingdom of darkness, you will have the kingdom of darkness's rule and reign in your life. This is not a suggestion. You have to forgive. The enemy has tricked people to think they don't they have a right to not forgive people. That's a lie of lies. You have no right to. First of all, we all know dead men have no rights. Remember, that's what we're dead. We died. We're buried with him. We're resurrected. There's no longer us that lives, but Christ lives with us. We don't have any rights anymore. We're none. Zero. Absolutely none. So we don't have the right to stay mad at the person. Forgiveness is an absolute. You have to forgive. And if if you don't get it for the reason that you need to forgive to free that friend or that person or that parent to become who they're called to be, so they may make it into heaven, you might get it for yourself. Because if you don't forgive, you'll just become like them. All of us have seen examples of kids that have hated their parents. And they hated their parents so much, they became just like the parents. That's, what, that's exactly what I'm trying to make your point. You become what you focus on. If you hate someone, you're going to become just like them. You may have a different this or that about you, but it's going to become the same. It could actually be in the total reverse. I see that when I used to do a lot of stuff with marriage and family and divorce recovery. They hated their mate and it became just like them. They, the next person they married may have had a different spin, but they're really the same spirit behind them. Remember, it's spiritual world that we're dealing with. So the first and, and primary thing I, I, I want to get across is this forgiveness issue. And remember when I did that little thing about Satan's weapons, you know, intimidation and lies, gossip, all the whole list of stuff, the arrows and different things that the enemy uses, and he uses Christians against Christians and family against anybody personal and close in where he has the most power in. You know, that's what he uses. Those are the weapons. So... When you sit there and look up, if somebody had been fired on by, or somebody, and if you have something against somebody, man, this is the time in your life to go get it taken care of, because it will free you up. I, I think I mentioned before, I can't remember what I said here or other place, but I, I, I've been going, I, I'm one of these people that, that have been very fortunate, is I don't stay mad very long, because I usually have such a rotten memory, I can't remember it. It's a big part of it. That's the truth. I forget it. You know, and it's a, it's a curse and a blessing, the same thing. 
But I, I really don't. I really don't think about people. I, I, you know, my wife can remind me of different people. I go, oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, that happened. But I don't remember it. You know, and that's nice. But I, I took on something recently. God just started pointing me to do where I began to pour through the different people that I kind of think of. Okay, yeah, I remember so and so. Uh, you know, they, they were kind of hurt me, and I just kind of pour through their life and begin praying for all the different things in their life and praying for forgiveness for it. And you know, it was a weird thing is I felt really so much more uh, least in who I was. I had no idea that I even had a problem with them. You know, I, I don't even know if I did, to tell you the truth, even now. But the process of pouring through with these different people and, and, and showing them mercy and forgiving them enabled me to receive mercy and forgiveness. It empowered me and freed me up. So I would encourage you guys to take over, uh, you know, this next week or so uh, uh, to do some of that. And by the way, Joanne is, is next week, and what she is going to try to do is help you put into practice the things you're learning here and things you learn in life because there's a big break. I, I hear Jesus, you know, I, I, I played a, a wedding song, You Didn't Rejoice, and I played a funeral, and You Didn't Cry. I know what he means, you know, because sometimes people don't do anything with what they got, what's in front of them. You need to do this stuff. I learned something a long time ago. I'm responsible for what I hear, not responsible for what I don't hear. So if I'm going to read something and hear something, I better put it in my life, else I'm responsible for it. I don't care if you don't do it. You're responsible for it. You heard it, <laughs> including the forgiveness here. You heard it. You know, you, you're responsible for that. You're responsible to do with it. That a couple of practical thoughts. One is if you have these grievances that are unresolved, you're carrying them. Thank you know, they become a burden on you, and it's like you have a, a book of account in which you have, these are the grievances, this is, what, mm-hmm. this is the debt this person owes me, mm-hmm. and Scripture says what you've got to do, after seven years you've got to wipe the slate clean, mm-hmm. and erase them. The other thing is the value of Matthew 18, which is if you've got grievances, you've got to go confront You know, and it, it actually says it both ways, doesn't it? It actually says that, you know, if, if you have something against someone, go take care of it. And if you know someone has something against you, before you go give your gift at the altar, run and take care of it. It's both ways. So if you know somebody that has, you know, decided to take offense with you, justified or unjustified, and I've got to say some of this stuff, some of these hurts and stuff like that are totally, they're not rational. And even I, I, I remember this one particular guy I prayed for, really nice guy, and he was a teacher. And when he was a kid, uh, uh, he, was, he was, lived at a farm, and his dad was arc welding. And when you arc weld, if you look at it, it burns your cornea. That's why they wear these really thick glasses. And even if you're away or even if you get it caught on the side of your eye, it can, it can really damage your eyes permanently. <clears throat> so... He was peeking around the corner while his dad was doing some welding in the, in the barn, and his dad screamed at him because he was scared and worried that his son, you know, hurt himself that way. That kid, it, it crippled that kid. Hang on a second. <coughs> I thought he shut off. I guess it didn't. Um, it crippled him. It was a hard thing to remove that. He was able 
to remember that issue. And he knew it wasn't logical. He knew why his dad had done that, but he couldn't let go of it. It had been capsulized. And he had to go back and had to deal with that. Well, how do you do that? Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to share some. Your own stuff, because it's not easy and it's scary to go there, you know. And God will do it if you're open. Those two super issues. I'm glad you shared that. The first issue I want to, I want to mention is very often in a, in a family, if a father or mother is abusive, one kid gets it. Uh, and maybe it's because of the weaker. Uh, maybe it's because they're the most like them. It may even be because that's the one they like the most. It's all those. There's all kinds of weird different reasons. But always that same thing happens. They feel they didn't like them. They feel it's their fault. They're responsible for it. You know, it's, it's them. It's because I'm so bad. You know, absolutely not true. And sometimes you have to, you know, when we pray for people, we don't want to make a counseling session. But sometimes you have to walk people through a few things of understanding like, like that. The second issue I would want to mention with that is that, uh, um, I don't remember what the second issue is, <laughs> um, that she was, held completely locked in like we was talking about before. And that when she let go, though she was the victim completely, kids the victim, always the victim, it freed the father to be able to do something he couldn't do on his own. That's a perfect example of, to illustrate what I'm talking about. If you don't forgive others, whether you're the which side of it is. That's why God gives it on either way. Whether you went offended or got offended, either way, you can't free the other person. You're locked in with them. You're married to them. You're married to their sin. You've got, the, you've got that weight that you're carrying around. It has to be freed. So in, in, in your own personal life, you have to walk through those things. And so I would really ask over this uh, uh, next days and stuff that, that God would walk through that with you and just begin to show you Anybody you've sinned against or sinned against you, and you know the word sin has a, has a nasty rap, but God's whole thing with sin is because it's an action that hurts you. That's what it is. It's not a guy. It's not a cosmic killjoy. Whether it's having sex outside of marriage or or it's uh, telling lies or whatever it is, it always comes down to the same thing. It hurts his beloved children. That's why he doesn't like it. That's why he tells us not to do it. Not because he's making record or wrong. It's because those things are damaging to it. So when somebody has had an offense or done something to you, you need to forgive them. There's all kinds of different types of offenses that can happen. So when you're praying for someone, how do you deal with that thing? You know, you're going to hear, or sometimes in a quick interview, you know, I, I can't forgive this, or I'm feeling really depressed. You're going to have to rely on God to show you what that is. And you can rely on God to show you what that is. He will do that. He'll show you that thing. Or he'll give you, sometimes God will not really show you all the whole thing. He'll give you hints to let them know or remember. It's my daughter. My oldest. Happy birthday. I'm in the middle of preaching. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> <laughs> but I had to say happy birthday. Huh? Go ahead. You had mentioned before that uh, in your situation, um, the reason.
reason why you found it easy to forgive is because you just forget about it really quickly. Mm-hmm. What if what if the opposite is true? What if you remember every single thing? Is it possible that you've forgiven, but you still remember it? Because, like, for example, in my case, I, I have a memory that's also a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing because I can remember things, but it's a curse because I remember every single thing. And I, I need to know, if I've forgiven someone, and I say, I've forgiven this person, but I can't give myself amnesia about that thing. So how do I know if I've really forgiven them if I still remember it? Well, that's a hard one, and I don't really know the answer. All I can tell you is that God says, I remember your sins no more. He's forgotten them. He has a pretty good memory, if I think so. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. That's the healing part, but I would imagine there's different things you can remember. I mean, when I'm saying forgive, don't get confused with the idea. You know, my wife has a little saying that's, uh, uh, you know, uh, trust is earned. Doesn't mean you trust somebody. If somebody has stuck their knife in your back five times, you may forgive them, but you don't turn your back to them. I mean, unless you're stupid, excuse me. But, you know, that doesn't mean you don't forgive them. But you know what they're capable of, and you got to—you have to be protected from that somewhat. It sounds like you're, you're just aware of it. It doesn't sound like yeah. it's something that you're carrying around. It's like more like it's not a wall; it's an awareness. What I would do, personally, my my thought would be to do is I would when I, those thoughts came up about them, I would use that as an opportunity to pray for them for that situation. Mm-hmm. Is what I would do. I, here, here is a—you know—I dealt a lot in martial arts. And, and, and I learned a lot as I was uh, also an investment advisor for many, many years. And I mean, I had to sell a lot of things to a lot of people. And, and if you use the person's uh, strengths and you flip them around at them, what the enemy loves to do is he goes, yeah, I choose. So I just flip it around. I make that a reminder for me to pray for that particular person or that situation. If he, if, I, I can remember in my early days, it's probably the easiest way to explain it, is when I used to have to deal with, you know, you know, uh, lustful thoughts a lot. All I would let that be was a reminder when I got the thought that it was time to pray. Well, the enemy's not stupid, believe me. If he finds that every time he does some particular thing, you end up praying, he's not going to do it anymore. That's called resist the enemy and he'll flee. That's how it works. It's the practical application in that scripture. So if the enemy constantly does some single thing to you, make it a deal to pray. That one, I would just sit there and go, oh, yeah, Father, forgive him for that, you know, and I hope he's doing well. You know, really, the power of, 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 uh, of that, of praying for somebody through their issues, the blessing to you is incredible. I mean, it really is. But they'll change. They will change their attitude towards you. There are maybe some people that will never will. Some people are just, you know, that way. But then what happens is it brings judgment on them from God. One of the two. Both of you are in a good, pretty good place. The judgment is, is intent is to turn the person to God. Right. Um, it is my experience in, I've been in the prayer business for a while, that sometimes that, uh, when, the, when you have the memory and the memory still has the pain, it's because sometimes you need to forgive yourself because when somebody hurts you, it brings the issues about you being a little bit silly, trusting somebody who would hurt you at the end. It brings issues of shame because nobody likes to be, you know, backstabbed or, you know, humiliated with pain. And so sometimes 
we need to turn around and when the, when the memory comes and say, Father, I want to be free from the pain that I caused myself by thinking that I was to blame for somebody who hurt me. And, they, you know, and it works very well. Well, I, I think you're absolutely right. It's a good point to bring up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's uh, to the... I, 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 I became Christian fairly recently in life, you know, ten years or so ago. It's ironic when you're talking about that. It made me think the fir- very first issue that came to me when I first got saved was forgiveness from my father. It's the first thing that God kept talking to me every day. I kept saying, "Why? It doesn't make any sense. He really did this. He really did that." But it wouldn't let me go until I dealt with it. It was like a six-month issue, and I found that without the Holy Spirit, it was impossible. Uh, more so, I found that it was actually in the carnal, physical, without the Holy Spirit, without the God, without the vertical, it actually made sense. You should not forgive. You should be vengeful toward people that hurt you. That's actually a common sense survival, human issue. But without the vertical, without the power of the Holy Spirit, I could not release it. But then, eventually, I was able to for the first time in my life. And like Gary said, it was this huge release and weight off. And I was actually going through that very passage about the servant that enabled me to do it. Um, you have to understand that judgment is mine, saith the Lord, or offend or whatever. But God does the judging. They're on their own path. They have to deal with that. You're on your own path. And if you don't fully, if that's not real, and if, if, if I, I would encourage you to go over the passage and, and until you really feel the Holy Spirit release that, and you'll know. And like Gary said, if you feel things, if you've done that, and then you feel things trying to draw you back into it, that's the enemy trying to draw you back into sin so he has access to beat you up again yeah we i used to have one that i didn't like i used to hide it under my bed and pull it up and play with a little bit and put it away yeah <laughs> we do weird things <laughs> um uh, jesus said in uh, matthew 5 44 by saying do you love your enemies bless them that curse you do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you Kind of sums up what yeah, exactly. That's the scripture I was thinking of, too. Thank you for reading that. I just want to say, um, I've been definitely attacked lately from certain people, and I have a few people in my life that are not Christians, and they're like, how do you, you know, you don't, you don't say anything negative, you're not cussing them out, you're not going to their house, and I stand on, uh, like, I've been reading and sharing with them Psalm 64, which talks about, like, their tongue will be turned against them, and well, you know, it, it, a lot of stuff is going to be against people that aren't Christians, and, and they don't work by the same economy, but the economy of God is universal, and, and it's the power. It's the weapons that we have. Our weapons are not carnal. The carnal weapons you were talking about are the ones that I have a right to not forgive them. And, and that thinking is the way of the world. That's the system of the world. That's the kingdom of the world, the kingdom of the dark. World, darkness, enemy, Satan, all those are the same kingdom. There's only two kingdoms. You know, that's what kingdom it is. And it, our kingdom has greater power than all the other ones. It's absolute power. And that kingdom works totally different. Go ahead. I've, uh, I've accepted the Lord over 35 years ago, so I've had this Holy Spirit working in me. Mm-hmm. 35 years, and, and I've been fortunate enough to, to experience healing with related to forgiveness that has helped me a lot, and, and be flooded with peace when I was in total anger on several, several different occasions, to where in my walk with the Lord, 
it's kind of like the Lord's kind of captivated me or captured my heart and my thoughts as to how great he is. So I've come to the point to understand this about the horizontal relationship with the Lord and the vertical relationship with, with, uh, with the people around you. And the way that I see this is the Lord Jesus Christ forgave us of our sins. He totally washed us clean when we received him. Okay? It's our responsibility in order to keep an open window to heaven, in order to enjoy this cleansing and this powering up and this outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our lives as an individual, to understand that just the same way that the Lord forgave us is how we need to forgive everybody around us, believers, unbelievers, whether it's not a matter of whether you're right or wrong. It's not a matter of who is right or who is wrong. It's a matter of letting the Holy Spirit in you forgive everybody around you. And when you come to that point, that's the kingdom of God in you that the Lord wants to work in your life. And you can enjoy the Holy Spirit of God's grace continuously throughout your life where nothing bothers you. Yeah, that's the truth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm understanding that vision, and I'm practicing that to my best ability, and I'm understanding that when I do not forgive, I actually block, like you showed that picture there, you block the open window of, of the heavenly grace coming into your heart and flooding you. So Matter of fact, I'll even make a statement that I, I have a problem with that sometimes myself, the, the thing of forgiving when I'm not the one that did wrong. But... Now, if it's, it really isn't wrong, but I'll even take it a step further. It is more powerful if you're the one that was wrong when you forgive, because that's, right. that's the kingdom principle. The kingdom principle is based upon, like, the greatest, the worst thing that ever happened was the greatest thing that ever happened. The worst thing that ever happened was Jesus' death on the cross, which was the greatest thing that ever happened. Everything is based upon that type of effect in the, in the kingdom. So, so. Things have, whatever the level is, the greater the, the offense, the greater the benefit. Matter of fact, that's one people, I've taught about that before, about that issue that really kind of throws a lot of people off, and that is at how God deals with certain issues in our life by unfair judgment, unfair circumstances in our life. And I don't have time to go through it right now, but it is the power of the cross, it's the power of the kingdom of God when we learn that, that when things are done unjustly to us, there's a greater power for us to operate in. Well, that's the last question, then i got to kind of move into something. The scripture's not up there anymore, but I don't know if you can hit it, but that end part of the scripture where it's talking about um, your jailers will talk, torture you if you don't forgive, along those same lines. What I have found, I've dealt with the healing ministry for many, many years also, is that most believers do not really appropriate the finished work of the cross. Because God's <coughs> wrath was satisfied against everybody, mm-hmm. not just believers, against everybody. Everyone's sin was paid for. The world may not know that, but it was a finished work. And unless we, with eyes, see the finished work and see them where they're supposed to be instead of where they are, we're not appropriating that final wrath on the cross. We're creating another cross, saying you have to die on this cross, and you owe me a debt instead of that the debt had been paid through Christ. So the finished work 
almost has to happen first in the understanding of the believer in order to release forgiveness. Because otherwise, they're still operating in some form of the law. Because if you were sinned against, if the person sinned against you, since the strength of sin is the law, that person's probably under the law in some form in their mind, and they are not then appropriating their ability to treat you with love. And what does the scripture say? If you, if you count the, what part of the law you have to obey, the whole law? Right, which is what that's saying at the end of that scripture. It's saying your jailers will torture you. The Heavenly Father will be more than happy to function out of the law because he'll do it a lot better than, than you'll ever do. It. Well, Satan's a legalist, isn't he? He is. He's a legalist. He's, 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 he fully functions in that. I mean, you think about Moses when he was, uh, uh, when he died, he came and tried to argue with God saying, you know, he belongs to me because he didn't fulfill this, 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 and this. That's how he comes against you. That is the kingdom of darkness, the law and the rules, you know. It, 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 that's how he functions in it. And if you get in that kingdom of darkness and you function, play by his rules, then the enemy will sit there and demand that you be treated Hey, you're in this kingdom. This is the way you're operating. This is the way it is. You haven't looked at forgiveness. You have not, uh, haven't seen that. Therefore, you're under this obligation rather than a free one. Now, I want to take some time here. In the uh, last little few minutes here, I want, to, I, I want to spend some time praying for one another. Uh, and I kind of went through uh, the last week or two on, on the different structure of how we pray. And so those that aren't there, what we're going to do, I'm going to ask for words of knowledge. If anybody has any words of knowledge, uh, it can be for physical or whatever. Uh, we're going to do that, and then we're going to give short interview, and I mean short, uh, just like a couple minutes. Ago. What's the problem? What's the hurt? Then pray for the problem and learn how to listen to God on this. I'll talk more about the walls next week and get a little bit more practical on it. But uh, this forgiveness issue is so dang big. Now, one thing I got to make sure you get again. I'm not saying you're sick. Or somebody has some problem because there's sin in their life. There's a big difference between that and what I'm saying. I'm saying that the vehicle that, that, that sin came into the world, or the, the sickness came in the world, was sin. And that was the vehicle. But I know some of the righteous people that have had horrible sicknesses have died. You know? It's, it's not a, you sin more than another because you're sick? No. I'm not saying that. You guys don't get me saying that, do you? Don't go out and tell people I said that, because <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. I, I am saying I'm showing you how this kingdom works and how things work and how to release people, because we have to really pe- help them with the forgiveness issues in their lives. It's very often. It's not always that. There, there's other stuff, too. But that's probably the biggest thing you're going to run into, the forgiveness issues, them isolating that thing and not allowing it to be cleaned out. That means you're going to have to go to that thing, deal with that issue, Clean it out. It's just like opening up a cat. Clean it out a little bit. It's going to hurt. They may cry. It doesn't feel good for them, and they're going to like it. Just like a little child. You know, if they, they cut their hand, you go clean it out. They're screaming, making a bunch of noise. Yeah, well, they got to do that. It's got to be done. It's got to be clean. And uh, then those walls that are out there that they've got to keep themselves safe, you have to learn how to pray and allow them to take down those walls. And I'll talk more about how you do that next week because it's it's – it's it's really kind of a it's a real 